Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and today I want to talk about Extremity Volume 2, published by Image Comics. This book, this book was beautifully crafted by the great Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spicer. Now, stretch your mind back. Go all the way back to episode number four of Just Another Fanboy, and I talked about Volume 1 of Extremity. Now, let's even stretch your mind back even further, episode number one, in which I talked about another wonderful Daniel Warren Johnson creation, Murder Falcon, which I still consider, to this day, it's only been a couple of months. It's only been a couple of months. I still consider it, to this day, one of the greatest comic books of all time. Extremity, I read Extremity Volume 1, and I really, really enjoyed it. But it was more like, oh, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. It didn't affect me the way Murder Falcon did. Volume 2, however, took it up about 12,000 notches. Now, I still like Murder Falcon better. But this thing that Daniel Warren Johnson does, he did it in Murder Falcon, and he did it in Extremity, where he starts... It's really just a key thing that writers need to do. And I think a lot of great writers do it. You start small, right? Small, but, but with a hook, you got it. You got to hook the people right away, but you start small. If you can start small, if you can start your world small and narrow and focused and still hook people, then as the story progresses, you just, 
blow it wide open and just add more crap. And by crap, I mean good stuff. And then your reader is just like, holy crap, this book was so good when I started it. And look at all this stuff that I'm getting now. It's just, it's like, boom, is what happens in Extremity Volume 2. And it happened in Murder Falcon, too. Murder Falcon started out with a very simple yet awesome concept. A dude who plays guitar, who shreds the metal, who is able to play his guitar and, and, and create a warrior to fight monsters. And then he just blows it up from there. Well, this is a book, Extremity is a book, and it came before Murder Falcon. You got these two different groups of people. Up at the top, you've got the Pasnina. They're the ruling class. And then at the bottom, you've got the Roto. In this world, they no longer live on the surface of the planet. They're, they're up in these floating, like big chunks of earth that just float in the air. Something happened at some point in the past. Some great war. And they hint, you don't know, you, I, you, I do that a lot. That's, that's for the people who speak that language. You know what I'm saying. Throughout the first volume, they talk about the old world and the way the old world was. Every once in a while, they'd kind of hint at it. And I got the feeling in that first volume that this was not our world. This was not our planet. This is not what happens to Earth in the distant future. Because when they would talk about the old ones, it didn't feel like they didn't reference anything that might have happened currently or in the past. However, there is a scene in the second volume where our two, what are basically our main characters, their brother and sister, Thea and Rolo, they go into, uh, they, they, they find a new group of people, basically, who are living on the surface. And they've kind of walked away from this whole war that's going on between the Paznina and the Roto. And they are a collection of both. And I, they, they have a name for themselves. And I want to say it's the Essene. I'm, I'm, I can't quite remember. But they have started, uh, they have like this room or this, this uh, maybe it's its own structure that houses all this stuff that they have found on the surface from the old world. And they go into this, like this winding tower-like staircase. And there are paintings on the walls. And you can't see them very well. But the, the, the woman, Mishaba, I believe her name was, she's, she's talking about the stuff that they found. And in one panel, it's not super obvious, but there's a painting of the Death Dealer by Frank Frazetta. And I thought that was, it was, they didn't, it wasn't the focus of the panel. They didn't call it out. They didn't draw attention to it. But it was that one little thing that told me, okay, this is, this was our earth and this is what happens. Late, late in the, in, the, in the distant, distant future. And so what you've got going on here is this clash between the Paznina and the Roto. Because at one point during one of their battles, the, the leader of, the, of these Rotos, who's called the Abba, who is Theo and Rolo's dad, during some battle, he, um, they don't really go into detail on it. But the queen of the Paznina, her daughter, the princess, does not have a nose. Her, her nose has been carved off at one point in the past, and the blame is laid upon Jerome, the Abba, the, the, the Roto's leader, Thea and Rolo's dad. And so the whole, the, the story opens up because Jerome and Thea and the whole Roto 
clan, they're attacking the Paznina to get back because, well, no, actually when it opens up, Thea is an artist and every day she draws something and she gives her drawings to people. She's probably a teenager and the Paznina attack and they lop off her hand. And you just think at this point that it's because they're just evil bastards, right? And so the whole crux, the whole point of book one is this war now that the Roto are waging against the Paznina because this had happened. And you get, you kind of get the feeling in that first volume that the Roto were just hanging out doing their thing, but they're a lower class of citizen. And so the Paznina just decided, hey, we're going to go down and lop off this woman's hand and L.O. and kill her mother. So the Abba's wife is also killed in this fight. So yeah, you're just like evil. This is evil incarnate. There was no reason for them to do that. Well, you learn, you might've even learned it maybe by the end of volume one. Now I can't remember because the both volumes now are, are uh, kind of mixing together. Maybe you do learn it in volume one that um, at some point the princess had her nose cut off by the Roto and it might've even been Jerome. So this battle has been going on for years. This war has been going on for years and it's all basically in the end, it's between two people, the Abba of the Roto, whose name is Jerome and the queen of the Pesnina, whose name I think was Nim. Well, at one point in volume one, Rolo and Thea decide they're not going to fight anymore. They think it's, they, they, they think there's an, it's, it's enough. Jerome, their father is very upset about this. And he, he just basically get out of my life and they take off. And then they, in volume two, they meet these, these people on the surface and they join their group and they find a better way to live. And there's this, uh, there's this robot named Shiloh that Rolo had discovered in the first volume and it befriends Rolo and it's, it's a robot that was designed for war. And so Jerome, of course, is super happy. Oh, oh man, he's super happy about this. We can, use, we can use Shiloh to destroy all our enemies. Well, Shiloh doesn't seem, it's like, this is what he does, but he's not happy about it. It's like, as a robot, he's just like, well, I guess I'm designed only for killing, but I'm not happy about it. This is not, you know, he, he kind of has the spark of artificial intelligence that he wants to be, he wants to be something else. So in volume one, they discover this machine, this, this old ancient machine, they call it a beacon. It was like this ultimate weapon, but they need, it needs to have power. And Shiloh sacrifices his battery for this beacon. And that's when the whole thing goes down and, and, uh, Rolo and Thea leave with with this lifeless robot body that was Shiloh. So when they find the people on the surface, he convinces them that they need to go to this place, the this really evil, dark place full of monsters, because that's where a lot of the old world stuff is. They need to find a battery for Shiloh. For Rolo, he just wants to, he just wants his friend to come back. For everybody else, they're they're thinking, well, this is a machine that it could help protect us. It help keep our people safe. So a group of them go out to get this battery, and among them are Thea and Rolo, and then this this character Mishaba, who used to be a Paznina, and she's just this huge, muscular Viking warrior. You know, she's like a big Russian bear almost. She's just this statuesque, just wall of a woman. And she was the she was a great warrior, and she's she's given it all up because she's found a better way. She lost her leg at one point, so she's got a fake leg. And we we find out that there that there are just these winged creatures, like there's griffins, and there's this big three headed weird 
dragon thing that that Mishaba rides, and they all go to get uh, this battery. But while they're gone, the princess of the Paznina and a group of soldiers find out about this place down on the surface, and they attack, and they just start just killing people, just indiscriminately. They just break in. They start killing people. They find the leader, and they try to kill her. And there, and then, and then the the group comes back after having found the battery that they need to power on Shiloh, and uh, they're able to uh, subdue and capture. There's a there's a battle. All of the Paznina soldiers, except for the princess and one guy, they're killed or they run away. I can't quite remember, but these two are captured. And there's this whole ceremony that's really actually quite heartbreaking. Daniel Warren Johnson does such a great job in this one scene. Where so the the leader of the past of 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 the Essene, this new group, she is at death's door basically, and so Mishaba ends up being the queen of the Essene, um, and she stands. They, they gather all the people, and she stands before these two captive captives, and she basically tells them, "Look, you killed a lot of our people, and if we were Paznina or if we were Rodos, we would kill you in return. But that's not what we do." But you need to understand your crimes. And so individually, each person that had a relative or a friend killed by these two, they come and they stand up on this stage and they tell their, their, their story to these two people. You know, my mother was a baker like, like never before seen and she could create cakes that would make you cry from eating them. And... That was until you murdered her. And one by one, these people would come up and it was just heartbreaking. And, and each time they would finish, they would have the person's name written on a piece of paper. My mother's name is Joan. And then they would drop the paper onto the stage and then the next person would come up. And then Mishaba comes up and she says, again, we're not gonna, this, we're not, this is not what we do. We're not gonna kill you. We're not here for retribution. This is all about mourning and helping these people find closure. And what we do is we're going to carry your hate on our backs. And by doing that, she takes, takes her shirt off and she picks up one of the slips of paper and she's like, she says the name Joan. And then a dude behind her with a knife carves the name Joan into her back. And they do this with each, each name. And then you find out the, lead, the, the, the old lady that was nearly killed, she's you know on death's door, she's in her bed. And she's got her shirt off and she's wrapped up in bandages and she's just got scarred names all over her body. And that's how they deal with, they, they're trying to bring peace. And so rather than fight violence with violence, they, they're, you know, they say, we carry your hate on our backs. So anyway, they get Shiloh back with the battery. But then in the meantime, Jerome and his people they finally figure out how to use Shiloh's original battery to power the beacon. They fly over to the to the to the main um, castle of the Paznina and they attack, and it's not going well for them. So they activate the beacon, and what the beacon what the beacon ends up doing is turning Shiloh into this giant. It just warps into this crazy pink crab like squid monster that just goes straight for the beacon and it's just killing everybody. And at one point there's these giant guns up on the castle walls and it's, they're firing it at the, at this giant monster now. And the monster grabs the gun and, and, and just envelops it within itself and incorporates it into its being. So now it's got these giant guns on its back 
And then, so the Essene realize, you know, what by reactivating Shiloh, we have created this creature that is that is the doom to everybody. And so they they lock and load. There, there's a whole room full of old guns. And so they grab all these these ancient yet very technologically advanced weapons, which not a lot of people, most of the hand-to-hand combat, soldier-to-soldier is done with uh, swords and spears and axes. They've got a couple of big guns, like I said, on the castle walls and stuff and, and on their ships, their airships. But otherwise, it's just all swords and whatnot. So they, they load up. They get on their flying creatures. They go into battle. And uh, it was just so, it was so epic. It was just an ep. This volume, volume one was great. Volume two was even better. It was epic. Volume one was, a, was, was smaller and volume two just blew it all up. And what you get at the end is both Thea and I can't remember her name, but the princess of the Paznina, they both realize that what's going on now is wrong. And there's this moment where Jerome is fighting Nim and he's got her down on the ground and he's got his big axe thing and he's about to lop her head off. And Thea throws herself into the middle of him to stop it. And she's like, no, we can't do this. And she's, dad, I, I understand your anger because of mom and because of what happened to my hand, but we, we, there's gotta be a better way. We, I have to believe that we can still find peace. And then the queen stabs her in the back and then throws another knife and sta- and gets a uh, freaking Rolo right in the heart. And Jerome just goes freaking crazy and he jumps on her and he hits her with his axe and cuts one of her arms off and they both fall off this cliff and die. Thea lives, Rolo does not live. They don't really end it. No, because your feeling now is, okay, a lot of this war was between these two people that are now dead. So you don't know though at the end, basically it ends with uh, Thea at Rolo's grave, wondering if she even did the right thing. She tried to make a difference and it got Rolo killed and she thinks that's all her fault. And then you go to the Paznina where they're, where the, the princess is standing in front of all of her people as the new queen. And that's how it ends. So you don't know if the war is over. And I really hope that one day he returns to this story. Because, you know, I'm one of those people that's, that's on the one hand, it's like, you don't need to know. You don't need to know what happens. This is the story you got. You don't need to know the next story. And I would be perfectly fine with that. Going to my grave with just the one story. I don't need, I don't have to know what else is in store for these characters, but it would be fun to see that if, I don't know if Daniel Warren Johnson is ever going to come back to this story or not. Yeah, he may not. I think after all these years, because I feel like that was, I don't remember when it was done, uh, but I feel it was like 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And I know the next thing he's working on is a Wonder Woman story. It's like, a, it's like an Elseworlds Wonder Woman story. And I'm really, look, I'm going to keep my eye out for that because I may buy those as they come out because I am just totally in love with this guy. <laughs> The only things, uh, I don't know if he's done, I know he did a, a, a book or a webcomic called Space Mullet, which I, I started, but this was, you can tell it was very early in his career and he hadn't hit, he hadn't hit upon his style yet. So I haven't, I, I started to read it and I didn't really get very far. And then I, then I started reading Extremity and Extremity and Murder Falcon, as far as the art style, especially when you got Mike Spicer, he colors both of them. They're, they look, they look the same. The 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 style of it. Whereas Space Mullet doesn't. It doesn't look to me like Daniel Warren Johnson. So it, 
I, I may go back to it. I may not. But from all I know, from what I know, those are the three books he's done. And now he's going to do this uh, Wonder Woman. So basically what I'm trying to say here, if you get the chance to read Extremity, read it. If you get the chance to read Murder Falcon, read it. These are both books that I think are just amazingly great books. If somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get into comics. I don't know what to read. I would hand them one of these books. Then if they said, well, I was thinking more of superheroes, I'd push them to the ground, <laughs> kick some dirt on them. And then I'd give them Dark Knight Returns probably. I don't know. Well, that's about all I got energy for today, folks. Extremity Volume 2, Warrior, Daniel Warren Johnson, Colors by Mike Spicer. It was done by Image Comics. I couldn't tell you the year because I didn't look that up. But that's my book for today. Highly recommended. Volume 1 was great. Volume 2, even better. You can get them both through Hoopla. That's where I read these. Murder Falcon, I bought. I read it through Hoopla. Loved it so much after I read it that I bought it. Extremity, I don't know if I'll do that. I did love it. Maybe eventually if there's ever a, if if they go on sale, maybe at Comixology, I'll buy them. So that tells you the the level of 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 how much I liked Murder Falcon over Extremity, but still loved it. Loved it. That's it. That's my episode. My name's Steven. I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.